Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 45 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by Jordan Renan and, of course, James Cratch. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media after what was uh, a pretty crazy week. Really, one crazy hour, it really felt like, when a free agency opened last Wednesday. Jordan, we knew the Giants would be active. They were. They spent a ton of money. And now we can react to the new players and where this franchise is right now. So before we get into all the names and and kind of breaking it all down, uh, just what did you think of the spending spree that happened? I know the the moments and the the news you guys broke happened over time. But, you know, when free agency opened, it was literally basically an hour when all this kind of went down. Yeah, one hour into free agency and they had their three substantial players. I mean, I'm not counting Jason Pierre-Paul because he was re-signed the day before. You know, that's, a, that's sort of a re-signing. They kind of brought one of their own guys back. To me, they went out there and they added, because obviously Jason Pierre-Paul was on the roster, kind of at least, last year. Uh, so they added three outside pieces, all defense. And to me, this is what, you know, this was the smart move. I mean, you had to add defensive pieces, defensive playmakers, and you're not going to go, the way to rebuild a team, I mean, first of all, you don't want to have to rebuild your team through free agency, but the way the Giants' defense was they had to rebuild it partially through free agency. You don't want to go get five or six guys. Two or three was the right number. You pick your two or three that you think are building blocks that are guys that you can move forward with, and when you look at a guy like Vernon, you look at a guy like Janaris Jenkins, those to me are two pieces, 25, 27 years old, where you can say, okay, they're entering the better years of their career, those guys are going to be on our defense for four or five years. Damon Harrison now, too. So to me, I thought it was a good, smart approach. And now the Giants' defense, while still not good, is definitely better. James, I think we'd all three of us would have to agree. I think everyone listening would have to agree. The Giants had to spend money. They had mm-hmm. to go out there and use this cap room and, and you know, fill the holes they had. We've talked about that for weeks, for months, really dating back to last season. Now the question is going to become from here through next season – did they get the right guys? Did Jerry spend the money on the right guys? When, when the names started coming in, what was your initial reaction to the names and the players they chose to spend this cap room on? I mean, you talk about did he get the right guys. I mean, he can only get the guys that are on the market in their time of need, which is now. Um, Janoris Jenkins, I think, surprised all of us. I don't know if anyone really saw him coming. That was kind of a very quiet acquisition by them, but... Uh, He's a good cornerback. He was the best cornerback on the market, and obviously they felt they needed to move on from Prince and upgrade that position. Um, the Harrison sign to me was interesting because, you know, he, he, I know he said on the teleconference with us that four three three four not a big difference for him, but you know you are bringing a guy who was really good at doing one thing, and you're going to have him do another thing. And then Vernon, obviously, I mean, we know that they he was the top target from the start for the Giants. Um, he was the guy they had to get because this all comes back to the pass rush and the fact that they couldn't get after the quarterback this past season, and that's why they were what they were. Um, and he's you know the best young pass rusher on the market, so you got to do whatever you can to bring him in, and they did that. Jordan, let's talk about a Vernon first. Let's go to Olivier Vernon. He's the one that everyone's talking about, the contract, $85 million, and kind of putting him up there versus other defensive ends. We know money every year in the NFL and free agency it goes up, so – Comparing him to a guy that signed two years ago, it's, it's really not a fair comparison. But that number will be attached to him this year with expectations. I mean, you were someone, I remember during the end of last season, it was probably right around the time we did a, an episode or two around the Miami game, the Monday night game. You were talking about how good you thought Vernon was and how well it was playing at that point. 
what if Giants fans don't know a lot about this guy other than you know he just got eighty five million dollars he better come in here and produce. What are what do we have to know about him? The one thing that I think jumps out is he's not just a pass rusher. He does play the run well too, which I think the Giants have always prioritized. Yeah, he's a solid all around player. I mean, look, the only way that good players at the age of twenty five, twenty six become free agents is if your team is a disaster and you put yourself in a bad situation, either cap wise or just stupidity. And you could put the Miami Dolphins in that category. I mean, they weren't in good shape with the cap. They're in the, the Sioux signing. I mean. And plus, I mean, they went. They're the organization that decided, okay, let's bring in Mario Williams and a, a bad, you know, Byron Maxwell contract, and we're going to get rid of a 25-year-old, solid, good player as a pass rusher, and we're going to get rid of our 25-year-old promising running back. I mean, that's just a bad franchise. You just have to have a, a team that just doesn't understand what this is all about. Teams don't let 25, 26-year-old successful players. When you talk about we're comparing him to deals two years ago. You're comparing him to a deal. You're, I know, I, I'm pretty sure what you were talking about there was basically J.J. Watt and those kind right. of guys. Yep. Those guys weren't free agents, though. When you hit the market, that's why you can't worry about the number of the money. Because if you are in a position where you're lucky enough where your team is, has their back against the wall or just flat out don't, not smart enough, and you're in the position where you're at a good age, still young, still entering your prime and you're about to hit that free agent market, you're going to bank and you're going to get more than you're worth. You know, or well, I shouldn't say that because you are what you are on the market. Whatever the market says you are, that's what you're worth. But you're going to get more what people think you're worth. So the price, here's the bottom line. The price for a good defensive end, look, this isn't a pro ball defensive end. He's never made a pro ball yet. He's not an all pro. He's never made an all pro team. But the price for a good defensive end this year was $85 million, $17 million a year. That's what it's going to cost to get him. So is it worth for your team to get that guy? And for the Giants, the answer was yes. They needed someone that they could pencil in there for four or five years and say, this guy's going to be a significant guy in our defense for four to five years. doesn't mean he's going to be the best player. He's not going to all of a sudden turn into an all-pro. He's a good, solid player. Maybe he'll make a pro bowl or two. If he gets eight to ten sacks a year, I think everybody should go home happy. He doesn't need to be J.J. Watt. He'll never be J.J. Watt. He'll never be, uh, you know, name, name the best defensive end you could think of. So he'll, he'll never be that guy. That's not, there's nothing that says that that's, or, you know, that that's what this guy's going to be. But he's going to be a good – he should be a good solid player. And when you're talking about minimizing risk, and that's what you're paying the money for, he minimizes the risk because he checks off a lot of boxes. Healthy, young, talented. So that's why you pay what you pay for a guy like Olivier Vernon. To me, it was a smart move. It was the easy no-brainer move because the Giants didn't have any defensive end on their roster to take account on moving forward. Jason Pierre-Paul, even, he's a crapshoot. They know it. That's why he's on a one-year deal. But now they at least have someone that you know can be the guy at starting defensive end for them for the next four to five years. James, I think a couple of weeks ago we talked about, as we were kind of previewing this whole process, we talked about the Giants trying to, or they didn't have any building block players. Like, I think we, we were joking, like, who are their building block players outside of Eli and Beckham? But we were talking about the defensive side of the ball. Do you think they found that now? Do you think these guys are building block players? I mean, their age, as Jordan was just saying, their age kind of lends to they're going to be around a while and they should be still coming into their prime so they can be that if they play well. Do you think the Giants got building blocks on defense now? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they got guys that they can attempt to build with, obviously. And, and as Jordan said about the money, it's just money. 
Like, I don't understand why people get so bent out of shape about, oh, I mean, first off, none of these contracts are fully guaranteed, so they might, they're not necessarily going to give Olivier Vernon $85 million. And even if they do, it's not like baseball where this is going to you know, handcuff your budget if, you, if it doesn't work out going forward. It's, you know, it's a cap era. They're most three-year deals. Usually you can get rid of the guy after that if you have to. The Giants hope they don't have to. But it, people freak out about the money. It's, the money's not important. Um, yes, I, I do think they're building block guys. I mean, you have two, actually three, because, I mean, I think the Giants would hopefully assume that, okay, if we have Vernon and we have Snacks and then we have Hankins, Hankins and Snacks together, we'll hopefully get Hankins re-signed down the road. We have building blocks there. Um, still need to build a little bit in the uh, linebacking core. I mean, you hope that Kennard can be that kind of player. And then you go back to the secondary, and you've got a cornerback who you hope can play corner for the next couple of years. So, yes, I do think they've acquired building block players, but they have to build around those players, and, and that's going to be the key going forward. Still need one more it's in the draft with that number 10 pick. They haven't invested one since 2011 when they got Prince, who now they're allowed to walk. They need more. They need another guy in the draft that can turn into a real difference maker, a Pro Bowl, All Pro type player. So that's their job is to come out of that with that that final, you know, another piece. And then you have, like James said, you could even throw in Landon Collins in there too. So then you have basically building blocks at every level now, which would be nice. But Jordan, linebacker, mentioned- linebacker is the one that they need. Linebacker is the spot that they need. It is, and that that will be, and and we'll get into the line, the the you know under the radar linebacker they sign in a second here. But you mentioned Prince Jordan, who went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe, on a one year deal, and you know he was a former first round pick. You just mentioned the last time they invested a first round pick in a defensive player. What did you think about the decision to move away from Prince, I guess, or really move towards Janoris Jenkins, and not just that decision, but the financial difference? I mean, one year for Prince at Jacksonville compared to this gigantic deal for Jenkins. Do you think the difference in those players is, is worth the money? I mean, they clearly have to. Yeah, I mean, they look, they wanted to get tougher. They wanted to have a guy that they know is going to be out there and that's more reliable, so they decided to move on. Uh, the difference in price, personally, I, I mean, I certainly, I would much rather have Prince for half the price than Janaris uh, Jenkins, but... You know, they wanted to they wanted to overhaul that roster and I, I'm not gonna sit here and complain that they wanted to get who the person who they thought was the top cornerback. So if that's what they thought and that's what they thought his the price to get that guy was, then fine, go get it. Because look, he's a guy that's gonna be there now for three like we said, he's now their building block out there. Three, four, five years. That's their guy at cornerback. Dominic Rogers Camardi's not gonna be here that much longer. I you know, he has a couple years left on his deal, but his number's getting bigger and he's getting older. He has trouble staying in the lineup as well. So I wouldn't expect him to be here in two, three, four years. So their guy now, at least you can count on him. And I, I see what you like. This is what we're talking about. You need building block players, and Jenkins is that guy. You don't know if Prince is that guy because he has trouble staying on the field. All right. Now, with Jenkins there, the one thing that popped out to me, uh, James, would be Jenkins, from when I watched him when he was in St. Louis, and I guess they're Los Angeles, but when he was in St. Louis with yeah. the Rams. He's an aggressive corner. Cromartie is an aggressive corner, going for the football, trying to take it away. And then you look at the defensive line they've built, and you mentioned all the weight they have in the middle there with Hankins, with Harrison, and, and obviously Vernon could play the run, and JPP can too. Let, all of last year we talked about the Giants don't have any identity on defense. They're just, just a bunch of guys out there. To me, right off the top, I see now they have two corners that are aggressive and want to take the ball away. 
And they should be able to have a good run-stuffing front on, on defense with the defensive line. We'll see how good the pass rush will be with those guys. But do you think they're closer to having an identity now than they were you know, two weeks ago? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that, yes, you're going to have two quarterbacks that are going to be aggressive. I think there's also the downside of they might give up a bunch of big plays, which, as we know, was a issue for this team last year. Um, but, no, I think they have, a, they have an identity. that They, they hope they have a pass rush. They, they think they have a run-stuffing unit. Uh, they have two good cornerbacks. Linebackers, still kind of a big question mark. And it's going to be, I think, until we get through the rest of free agency and then to the draft. But, um, no, they definitely have an identity. And I think that – I think we can say today they are better on paper than they were on January 3rd when, in the last game of the season. I don't know how much better, but but I do think they are better. And I think the argument could be made by some that if they were just a little bit better last year, their season would have turned out much differently. I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think that's what they would say. We I just wrote this. I mean, we actually said it last year, too. The goal on defense, it should be, you know, be respectable, yeah, be respectable this year. And then next year, you try and have an actual good unit. But again... You know, the goal should be just to get to sort of the middle of the pack, and uh, these moves should help them get there. I mean, if they're the 32nd-ranked defense again, then you have to say, how whoa, did they invest their money wisely? And I think you could probably say they probably didn't if they're somehow they're 32nd again next year. Yeah, I think a comparison probably to make, just considering the quarterbacks, they're both veterans, they've both been around since the same draft. I'm looking at the numbers right now. Pittsburgh last year, at least in yards. I mean, we could, you could use whatever you want on defense. But at least in yards last year allowed, Pittsburgh was 21st. They made the playoffs because of their offense, because of when Big Ben was healthy, those receivers. I, I think that's kind of where you guys are going, right? If the Giants have that a defense at least you know, towards that level, they have a chance to compete. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's what I think the plan should be. You don't go from 32nd in a league to top five defense. That just not, doesn't seem realistic to me. No, it doesn't, and it probably isn't for them, but they've added these players. Now, the one that we haven't talked about because his contract was so much smaller and so much tinier and not with the same wave as the first three guys, uh, Jordan, would be the addition of Keenan Robinson, a linebacker who I think is a pretty good player, but he always seems to have some sort of injury. What did you think about that, and, and is, is he the answer at middle linebacker, or is he just kind of thrown into the mix now? Yeah, I think he's the answer for now. I mean, to me, it looks like they're gearing up to have Keenan Robinson as their starting middle linebacker now. You better have a good contingency plan. That's all I got to say for Keenan Robinson. I wonder if that contingency plan is Devon Kennard or JT Thomas in any way, shape, or form. I'm not, I'm not so sure, but uh, I would – you know what? It's a risky move. I would – they got to find a way to solidify this position. It's such an important position on the defense. It's the leader of the defense. They need – he's a little risky for my liking there. I mean, I understand there's not anything out there that you're, you're wanting to pay an exorbitant amount for. But, you know, a one-year guy who is injury-prone and, okay, we're going to go into a season with that guy as our middle linebacker, uh, I was hoping that this team would go a little – something a little more – uh, known and solid than that, and uh, it didn't happen. I mean, the, the price for a guy like Jarrell Freeman, who's a guy who played for very successfully and well for the Colts, was not that outrageous. I think that could have been a move that they looked at, but they didn't go that direction. 
James, what did you think of the Roberts thing? I mean, I think on this show, at least, you're the one that always seems to want to navigate the conversation towards linebackers and how much of an issue it is, which I think every Giants Brinkley, fan. Brinkley. Right, and that's what I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. guy Brinkley. But what did you think about Robinson, who, I mean, the list, I mean, pectoral, shoulder, ribs, knee, it seems like this guy's had every single injury in his four years in the NFL you could have, you know, when he's not on the field. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I said on a, a comment or a tweet to a reader, like, if a guy hits free agency, he usually has a red flag somewhere. Um, or like Jordan was saying a few minutes ago, his team, like the Vernon, his team, yeah, loved his team it. Yeah. just a complete disaster. Um, so, you know, I agree with Jordan. It's a big risk. They, they have to have a contingency plan. And right now, unless, you know, I mean, like, for all we know, as Jordan said, they might have decided JT Thomas or Devon Kennard is a contingency plan. It doesn't look like they have one. Sounds like a bad plan to me. Though. It's I don't just know about not you. good. I mean, and that's sort of becoming like a recurring, you know, from at least from my time covering the Giants, like last year, it was like, well, they really didn't have a contingency plan at free safety or at a wide receiver. And, and now, like, if you're going to go into this year without a contingency plan at middle line, it's just, but. I mean, the idea of signing Robinson, I, I don't really have a problem with. It's low risk, high reward, not giving him a lot of money. It's a one-year deal. If the guy can stay healthy, great. You know, if, if you just said, all right, we're not going to sign guys who have injury histories, then there, I don't know if we'd be able to fill up 53-man rosters across the league. But Jordan's right. They have to have some sort of solid backup plan in place because history shows that there's a very good ch- – I mean, look, R- Robinson could stay – Base, I, I, he could have the healthiest season he's ever played, I think, and he still could miss two or three games. So yeah, I think you're right. I think I think maybe thirteen or fourteen is the most yeah. he's ever played so, in the season. You know, he they they have to have some sort of contingency plan and. Canard it just Thomas. feels like Beeson again, doesn't it? A little bit. I mean, I understand. You know, Beeson was a little more proven and stuff, but it just has that same feeling, like oh, uh, you know, like okay, it could work, but you know, it could also be a complete disaster. Yes, yeah. it, it definitely has that, like, this could be really good feeling or it could be a complete mess and a guy could be hurt by like, by training camp and you're sitting there looking around and you're just doing the whole thing over again. All we got to do is keep him healthy, just a little bit. You know, all he has to do is stay healthy, but it's not that easy. This is a physical game, especially at that position. Now, the one thing you do, I do like about that, I will say this, is the fact that if they have those two big guys occupying offensive linemen, I like the idea of having a guy who can run around and make plays at that next level, and I think Robinson might be that, a guy that can do that, if healthy, obviously. So you do like that part of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think his, his skill set makes sense. Like you were saying, behind um, Harrison and behind Jonathan Hankins, I mean, he should have a lot of room to, to run around and make a bunch of tackles, and, and if he's healthy, I think maybe, maybe they found a steal there. So... We have Olivier Vernon, we have Damon Snacks Harrison, we have Janoris Jenkins, Keenan Robinson, Jason Pierre-Paul re-signed. That was, the, that was last week for the Giants, and now seemingly everyone that's around the team and, wants, and pays attention to the team wants to know where this team goes next. So um, here's what we'll do now, and then we'll wrap this up by kind of placing the Giants where you think they are in the NFC East after the beginning of free agency. But let's, let's go to the positions they didn't address, or maybe didn't address enough. So... Jordan, for you, of the needs or yet, have, or yet, just didn't or yet. yet, that's right, or yet. I mean, we're doing this podcast on a Tuesday. It's only been what six days since the spending spree, so maybe a second wave of free agency, or of course the draft uh, coming up in less than fifty days. So they have some time here 
to address these needs. What's the first, like, where, where's your mind going, Jordan, of, of what's next or what should be next of the needs they have? Offensive line, to me, is an area that they're looking at, and you see them poking around, trying to find somebody they need. They can't go into the season with their right side of their line starting, you know, possibilities or options being Marshall Newhouse, John Jerry, and Bobby Hart. Just not good enough. They need another veteran starter, whether it's at guard or tackle. One of those two spots, we've said it since the beginning. So to me, that's up there. Wide receiver, too. They need something at wide receiver. There's not that much left. Ruben Randall's out there. I, I just I have a hard time seeing that happen, that kind of reunion. So I think what they're going to be stuck doing is getting a veteran guy and you know plugging him in there as a possession receiver opposite Beckham for one year and hoping they could you know get by with that and cross their fingers and maybe Cruz will come back or you know they'll get more from Dwayne Harris and uh, Jeremy Davis. So those two spots, I mean, they, they need to address the the offense a little bit. I, I, look, I would love for them to get free safety. And that was definitely a position of need last year. But I could see why it's a little lower on the priority list. Because at least they have some guys there. We don't know if any of them can play. But you hope that one of those three guys, between Bennett Jackson, Nat Burhe, and uh, who's the third? Michael Thompson. All draft picks. You hope that between one of those three, one of them is good enough to play. And you can get something out of one of them. And so I understand you can't fill all those needs in one offseason. I just finished writing something. Where it's Tuesday right now as we're taping this. I just finished writing something about why the Giants aren't any, and Jerry Reese aren't anywhere near done. Because in my estimation, this is a two-year plan. There was too many needs to address in one offseason. That some of them are going to have to come next year. And that the goal should be you know, playoffs this year, serious contender next year. Uh, so... You know, you, got, you can only pick and choose how many spots you're going to address in one offseason. So to me, I understand why free safety is not at the top of the list. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and once uh, George Ioka went back to the Bengals, there really weren't many um, young free safeties out there that a lot of people really liked. I mean, Weddle that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he went to Baltimore, but he was a guy looking for a win-now team, and, and maybe it just wasn't the right fit for, for either party. The Giants party. just weren't in on that one. It was just one they just weren't getting in. They weren't getting in on any of these veteran, uh, top veteran safeties. It just wasn't yeah. their plan. So that, to me, kind of goes right into what you were saying, Jordan, that it is a, it's more of a two-year plan than a one, because if it's just a one, then hell, then go, go get Eric Weddle or you know, go get the best available guy at each position. James, for you, the next move, what should it be? And what's the hole that kind of looks at you and says – Man, they, they have to do something here, uh, whether it be the second tier of free agency or early in the draft. I, I definitely think that um, offensive line is really important. Jordan's right; they have to they have to get something because even if you even if you you know, I think John Jerry's proven you know he's a proven commodity. You know what you're going to get out of him. Um, and even if you think that Bobby Hart can play, it's just to go into camp with those three guys that Jordan mentioned being your guys on the right side. It's a little risky. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that receiver is a big issue. But I look at the market, and I don't really see anybody that makes sense for the Giants right now, assuming they're not going to bring back Reuben Randall, which I just can't fathom occurring. Um, I mean, stranger things have happened, but it just doesn't seem to me that there's anyone real out there. So I would say definitely focus on getting alignment in free agency. need to have a veteran there. But then everything else, I think it's just kind of, you know, 
you know, complimentary signings, you know, you know, this kind of value signings, and he got to turn to the draft because it seems like a lot of these areas where we think that we project needs for the Giants, it, there's not really anything left now. What do you think about uh, Anquan Bolden? We talked about this, I know, once before, but I, I think at this point, to me, it makes the most sense. You get the veteran guy to yes. sort of chirp, chirp in Odell's ear. He worked with the uh, the new uh, wide receivers coach, Adam Henry, in San Francisco. Sure. He's supposed to be a great locker room guy. I don't Look, I don't know how much he has left either. But I think at this point, that's the kind of move that seems to make the most sense to me, just try and get by again in one year, and then you get you know, you know address it again next year. That's yeah, a good point. I, I love the idea. And James, I think you and I were I think you and I spoke about it when you were in the office a couple weeks ago that Anquan Bolden's game uh, never really was reliant on speed. So he's a guy that I mean I, I bet if you clocked him in a 40 now you, you'd say that guy can't be a wide receiver, but he, that was never him. I think he had when he came out of the draft all those years ago everyone was saying, "Oh wow, he's his 40 times really slow." And then he went out there he and ran had, like a 4.8 or something. Yeah, and then he had 100 catches as a rookie. So I almost look at him and say you know, he'll just he'll find a way to get open and make a tough catch in traffic. I I like the idea. No, no, he's a guy that they definitely could sign. I just, I mean, assuming that you know if if he doesn't want to, come, if he gets an offer elsewhere, or the Giants still want to bring in, a, I think he's thirty five going on thirty six. Um, you know, it, just to me, it seems like he's probably the one guy that could go after. But after that, it seems like the wide receiver market is just kind of it passed them by. You know, and look. They address needs on defense when guys like Sanu and Jones were getting big deals elsewhere. I understand that. They were in but, on Jones. They were in on that. Yeah, they, they were in on him, you know, obviously. They just got outbid by the Lions. But, you know, it just seems to me that offensive line is the main focus in free agency and in everything else. It's kind of value signings or the draft or you wait for someone to shake free down the line. And that's probably what they're doing here. Now, Jordan, I, I know you guys had reported that um, Russell Okung was in uh, for a visit last week. Now, we're doing this podcast on a Tuesday. His free agency might end at some point. But just the, the idea of them bringing in a tackle that has played left tackle in the NFL, um, do you think that signals that they are – the idea of them signing a offensive lineman could happen here at some point? I mean, I'm looking at the list of guys available. There are some, there are some veterans out there that – you know, there are some decent names. I mean, Andre Smith, Russell Okung. Uh, there are some guys that have played in the league and played right or left tackle for a while that you would think would fit if the Giants were interested. Yeah, I don't expect them in on Andre Smith. He hasn't played well the last couple of years and has had some previous injuries. I just That's one I've told that they weren't involved in at all. But, uh, yeah, you know, Okung, Donald Penn, uh, Kelvin Beecham, veteran guys like that, I think is something that the Giants are going to look into. What the, what the most interesting part of that is, they bring in a veteran guy who's played left tackle, right? Mm-hmm. Does that guy really want to come to the Giants, or is that a guy that you can, you know, that you could say, well, why don't you go move to the right side so Eric Flowers could play on the left? You know, Eric Flowers was a rookie last year. He wants to play on the left. He's not really uh, that. I wouldn't say willing is the right word, but he's not dying to go play on the right side. That's not something he wants to do. So, I mean, you're going to say, hey, Russell Okung, you played left tackle. But, you know, you come here, you go play right tackle because we got Eric Flowers. I mean, that's not exactly a great selling point. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of works when they, if, when or, if or when they do bring in a guy who's been a left tackle in the past. And I think it's a definite possibility. A strong possibility, I should say. 
Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. And then, you know, Flowers, top 10 pick last year, and, and I'm sure they'd want to try to keep developing him at left tackle if, and then work out that way. But he wasn't um, great at left tackle. No, he I wasn't. Mean, let's be honest. But, I, wasn't he, but he, it felt like he was rushed into having to be that, right, as a rookie? So wouldn't it make sense to put him at right tackle for a little bit? I, I agree. So, I'm just know, not like sure Lane, that Lane, do they want to do that. What did Lane Johnson do in Philadelphia? I, played you know, right like, his whole career. He played, he played right for a couple of years. The plan is eventually to move him to the left. Yeah. But he, he got to like sort of ease in. You know, He wasn't great his first couple of years either, but he got to ease in. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, they, they were going to have him as the right tackle. Then Beattie gets hurt, so he plays left. He struggles. And they decide that, to be adamant and say he's the left tackle going forward. And now you have all these left tackles on the market, and you're going to want to move them to it, – it's, it's kind of a strange situation. It's yeah, well, the, here's the question. Who would be a better left tackle this year? You know, let the, Russell Okung, we, we, who we don't know with his injuries, or Eric Flowers? And, and I think that's the decision the Giants have to make is what's best for our team. Like, if you look at their team, though, I mean, what would be the best solution in your mind? My mind, it would be with Flowers on the right and whichever one of these guys who has played left tackles on the left, if that's who they sign. Yes, I, I would, I'd agree. I mean, so we're across the board. We're agreeing that that's their best unit. So, uh, you know, for them to go out there and say he's our definitely our left tackle seems to be uh, a mistake. Yeah, that probably would be. And, and we'll see where they go and, and how this whole offseason plays out, what they do at tackle for the rest of this, um, this, this, I guess, the second wave of free agency here. All right, before we get into how all this affects the draft and, and if it did at all, um, from both of you, how do you think the do you think the NFC East hierarchy changed the first week? I mean, look, it's just the first week of free agency, and we've seen a lot of teams over the years spend a lot of money, and it does not make a big impact on the next season. But in the NFC East, you had two teams that were very active, the Giants, of course, and the Eagles, uh, and then two teams that weren't as active, the Dallas Cowboys and the team that won it last year, the Washington Redskins. How has the NFC East in each of your minds changed, if at all? We'll start with James on this one. Huh. I don't know if it's. I can say it's changed that much. I mean, I, I still think that uh, you know Washington and Dallas. I think have to be considered the the two top contenders on paper. And I guess the Giants and the Eagles. I mean, I would say right now the Giants might have a. I think are a slight edge on the Eagles, but I don't think it's a a big valley by any stretch of the imagination. So that's where I would put. It. I would put the the Redskins just because you know they. They won the division last year. They have a good amount. They got their quarterback situation taken care of, at least in the short term. And in Dallas, because once Romo's back, I think they're a different team. And I would put the Giants and Eagles at that next, maybe a step behind. But I, I think it's going to be a competitive division again. Well, by competitive, you mean nobody being good? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe maybe someone will win ten or eleven games this year, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I look at that right now, and you say, oh, yeah, when when Romo comes back, well, if it's me, I'm a little concerned about Romo. If I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm crossing my fingers, sure. But he's what thirty six years old, has a history yes. of ba- history of back injuries, and his uh, collarbone is, is uh, you know made of uh, you know plastic or, or whatever. Now he's yeah. cracking left and right. So, look, I, I think the Cowboys have the best potential. I, I think the Redskins kind of maybe maxed out last year. I don't see them getting much better. It's not like they have a great young team around Kirk Cousins. I mean, a lot of these guys are, were kind of older and, uh, you know, their defense wasn't great in the first place. So, I don't know. It, to me, it's still a big mishmash. And, and the, the 
Eagles, again, are the complete wild card. Who knows? I mean, they did such an overhaul again. They got rid of everything that Chip Kelly kind of assembled except for Sam Bradford, which is remains a huge question mark, as, as we see on our site from our Eagles guys every day. The Sam Bradford talk is never going to end. So... To me, it's a big mishmash. I mean, you know, everybody's right in there in a, the the probable like you know eight and eight range. So uh, much the same as last year. Uh, I guess I would put the Redskins as the favorites. I like the moves that their general manager has been making the last couple of years ever since he took over. Uh, I think that they're headed in the right direction, but I don't see them as being significantly improved right now. So they're uh, they're the best of a bunch of mediocre teams. I think, that's a fair, got, yeah, I think that's a fair way to describe it. The Redskins probably the best of mediocre teams. The one thing I'd say is, because you guys were going through the quarterbacks and the teams, I mean, that, that has to make the Giants, I mean, it should make them feel good every year, but it has to make the Giants feel good. They spent all this money on defense, and they, they have to know they walk into next season with the most, uh, I don't know, maybe sure thing or stability at quarterback. Because you mentioned Romo. Who knows if, if that collarbone will ever stay healthy. We have to see Cousins do it again, even though he was very impressive last year. And Bradford is just like the ultimate question mark for eight years now. So it, the Giants, at least they know they have that. They've improved the team and they have the quarterback you probably bet the most on for next season. As the bearer of bad news is they had that quarterback the last four years, too, when they didn't make the playoffs in the last three when they had finished with a losing record. Just yeah, it reminds just, it makes just, me think. Just saying. It makes me think of James. You wrote that piece a couple. What was it? Last week that the Giants yeah. have to have a sense of urgency here with Eli's, um, you know, his age getting up there in his mid thirties. And you know, Jordan just made a good point. They've kind of wasted good years from Eli now. They didn't break yeah. it down when they should have. You know, like two, two, three years ago is when they should have broken it all down, started to rebuild it back up. They should have, and now maybe they'd be in better position. Uh, to go, you know, put a Super Bowl team around him one last time. All right, before we wrap up here, has the NFL draft strategy changed at all based on what the Giants did at free agency? Or is it still the same in your mind what the Giants should or shouldn't do uh, come late April? James, we'll start with you and then uh, wrap up with Jordan. I don't think it's changed much. I, I still think that best defensive player on the board, preferably at defensive end or maybe cornerback with, if Hargreaves is there, um, that, that's got to be their pick at 10, I would still assume. Uh, I don't think they're going to, I mean, I don't think they're going to take an offensive lineman that high again, and I don't think they're going to take Ezekiel Elliott, although half the world seems to want to make that happen. So my guess is still they take a pass rusher or a defensive back at 10. Yeah, I don't think it's changed much. It's going to be the best defensive player on the, on their board, in my opinion, uh, if they're the luckiest team in the world, maybe it'll be Miles Jack, uh, Vernon Hargraves, or if it, all those guys are gone, uh, Leonard Floyd is a name to keep your ears open for. Uh, explosive player that they can use maybe as a Sam linebacker, put him on the line on, on passing downs. I think that's sort of the way this is leaning. It always it was that way, and I don't think anything has changed. Top defensive player. Look, they haven't invested in it. You got to invest. These are your young guys. These are the guys you get for cheap, and this is how you. This is they wouldn't be in this spot if they had some good young defensive players that they were able to build around. But things have happened with Jason Pierre-Paul over the last couple of years, and then they didn't bring Prince back. Those were the two guys they invested in, in ten and eleven. Didn't end up bringing them back at the same form that they were, or at least that they hoped, because you know we know what happened with JPP. So they need to get that guy now so that they can have defensive building block 
but at a rookie price, and that's that's basically what you need on both sides of the ball. It's what they have on offense right now. They have uh, Beckham, Rich, Richburg, Pugh, Flowers, all guys that are or that are substantial players playing at rookie uh, rookie deal prices. They need that on defense. It's a good point. Find that core guy at a cheap price, put him around the veterans, and you have a quarterback and. Uh, and maybe that's a way you go there for the Giants. Yeah, you have right. those guys for four or five years and making them, what, a million dollars or whatever it is, or, or less. Oh, yeah. Such an advantage, especially if they do you know, pan out to be a, a Pro Bowl type of player. I mean, that's the money you're saving there. It's invaluable. Right. Then you could overpay at other positions. That's sort of the give and take. But if you don't have any guys that are in that spot on defense, then you have to overpay for a whole bunch of guys, which is the situation they were in now. Yep, and he keep doing that, and eventually that comes back to bite you. But for one year, the Giants did spend big, a ton of money last week, the most uh, expensive uh, group in free agency the Giants have ever brought together. And now we'll see how the rest of this offseason pans out. So we'll be back soon with another episode. We'll look forward to the rest of the offseason, the NFL draft. We'll, a lot of that talk will be coming up um, on our future episodes here. And, of course, whatever the Giants do in the second wave of free agency. Jordan, thanks as always for doing this. Anytime, Joe. I'll be at the owners' meetings uh, the end of this week into next week. So, any questions? We'll we'll uh, we'll attack those on uh, that we want to ask uh, John Mara or Steve Tisch, the two owners, or even Jerry Reese. He'll, he'll be there as well, and we'll get a sit down with Ben McAdoo. So, we'll get a little more direction on where this team is heading and what their plan actually is. Well, the next time we get together, we'll definitely uh, kind of unpack whatever uh, you find out and whatever you hear from. Uh, Ben McAdoo down there. So we'll do that, and we'll talk to you guys coming up soon. Thanks, James. You got it, Joe. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening to Episode 45 of Talk is Cheap. Make sure to uh, sign up on iTunes, on Stitcher, SoundCloud, however you want to listen. You can listen to Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast, right here on NJ.com.